home for Christmas. For for a lot of us, we begin to think about what we experienced as kids. It's super exciting. Can you remember that, that thrill of knowing what's coming the next morning? Uh, maybe smelling baked goods, having everyone together in the house for the first time in a long time. The joy, that, that thing you can't really put your finger on that, that just feels so right and so good. But for a lot of people, they don't know what that's like. They didn't have that experience. They didn't have that home life. And they still don't. We're excited to, to kick off this series and, and try and make our, our lobby and our stage and everything that we do feel at home. Because that's where we're supposed to be. If we think about the Christmas story, though, we quickly find out no one was home. Mary and Joseph certainly weren't home. The wise men weren't home. The shepherds weren't home. Heck, even the angels weren't home. They, were on a, they had to work Christmas Eve. Even Jesus wasn't home. Think about that. And, and a lot of times during the Christmas season, we'll see a bunch of memes. We'll see troops that are overseas and we're remembering them for not being home. We'll have first responder memes of those who are working in the hospital or a police car or an ambulance or a fire truck. They're not home. We, f- we feel for them, right? Because we get to experience the warmth and the happiness and the joy and the chaos of opening presents and then there's people that are not at home. But then there's people that look in and they, they wonder. And perhaps there's no greater symbol that recognizes the heart of Christmas than home. With, with everything else that we've got going on, with Christmas trees and decorations and, and church services, um, it always comes back to home. Where are you going to be this Christmas? What are you guys doing for Christmas? And it almost always, if you're lucky, to involve a home. So what is it about home? During this season? What is it that draws our attention, our heart? What is it that brings the nostalgicness of home to light? There's a best selling author, Barbara Brown Taylor. She catches the flavor of our tendency to romanticize Christmas. And, and here's what she says Every Christmas Eve functions like a kind of time machine for us taking us back to every other Christmas Eve we've spent on this earth. For some, it's the smell of pine and the taste of roast turkey. It's mom and dad sitting around in their bathrobes. Uh, Pause for a second. I don't know how many of you sit around in your bathrobes, but we've changed a little bit. Nevertheless, sipping coffee while the kids chase a new puppy through the sea of wrapping paper. For others, this night is a reminder of the way life should have been, but it never was. For those who have looked all of their lives through other people's windows at such scenes of domestic bliss, 
but never as an insider. That's pretty powerful. And so I wonder, what are we looking for this Christmas season? What's the world that's out there in your place of work, uh, your neighborhoods? What are we looking for this Christmas season? And quite possibly, it's answering this question, where is home? And what I'd like to suggest to you is when home is working right, and granted a lot of people did not grow up in homes that are working right, kind of like when we have Father's Day or Mother's Day, we always try and remember that there are some of you that just didn't have that experience. And so when homes are working right, it's a place of warmth. It's a place of security. It's a place of comfort and acceptance and understanding and empathy and laughter and nurturing and forgiveness and growth and encouragement and hope and love. That's the way it should be. And, and that's why we belong at home. That's why home holds such a special place for each one of us, and that's great. But God didn't stop there. This is so important because sometimes we can just think to ourselves that God came in the form of a baby, he loves us, and we get to go spend eternity with him. And all of that's true. But God didn't stop there. He goes farther than that. He says, if you're my follower, then I have an assignment for you. I have a purpose for you. Not for the pastor, not for the missionary, not for the Bible study leader or the life group leader. I have an assignment for you. And it involves this in part. Once you have found your home in Christ, you need to point the way for others who are still seeking that home. You're not off the hook. In fact, and, and put it this way, it's not just about your faith. It's not about your, quote, relationship with Jesus. It is, but with a purpose. And that's kind of what we're talking about over the next three weeks culminating on Christmas Eve is what does that look like? Where is home? What is home? And who is coming home? And so that's what we dive into because once you have found your home in Christ, God says, I need you to go out and I need you to live a life of an example to point people towards a home that they haven't found yet. Why? Because there are so many people today that are still wandering around lost, they haven't experienced what you have. You say, well, what have we experienced? You're sitting here. Someone said good morning to you. Someone who doesn't even know you took interest in you, hopefully. You got a cup of coffee and you got a cup of tea. You said hello to some friends. You worship the King of kings and Lord of lords in safety in this little room. What a gift that is. And yet there is someone today in your life who's at home living out just another Sunday. And they're wandering lost. They are still far from God. Where are these people? Well, they're in our neighborhoods. They're in our workplace. They're in the grocery stores that we attend. They're possibly even in your family and in your schools, wandering around aimlessly through life without direction, 
and without hope, without purpose, without meaning, and without forgiveness or grace. And for a lot of these individuals, they don't even know it. They don't know that they're lost. They don't know any of that. Someone has to take their medicine on that alarm going off. And so God says this, I have a plan for you to fulfill. I have a plan for you. Christmas is almost God's way of saying, listen up, because the birth of my son is only step one. You got a whole life coming your way strongly. And here is what God says. God wants you to live a life that's impacting people and drawing them, pointing them to where they can find hope, even if they don't know it. That's what we do. That's who a Christ follower is. We don't sit on our laurels. We don't, we don't sit on our knowledge. We don't sit on our experiences. We don't sit on, man, I've been doing this for years. I got this down. We get to work. That's what we do. And when we get to work, when we live the life of Christ in our everyday life, that's when we find home. Because home, as beautiful as this is, this isn't home. This is temporary. And so when we get up and we begin to interact and engage with the community around us, the, often the people who we love and care for, that's when we find home. Why? Because we're emulating the heart and the life of Jesus. And that's why it feels so good. We, we packed 454 shoeboxes last Sunday. Yeah. Do we get to open any of them? No. Uh, for the most part, we're not even going to get to see them opened. And yet it feels so good to serve the other, to love the other. Why? That's what we were built for. That's why we feel at home when we're doing it. It just feels so right. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and to all. Why is that so important? Because very literally, eternity is hanging in the balance. I don't know if you've thought much about this lately. Eternity is a long time. And that length of time is most literally hanging in the balance of the people who we say we love and care for. And yet we don't want to offend. We don't want to rub wrong. And so we don't invite. We don't care. We don't serve. We don't share truth. Why? We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to say thing that, something that might be taken as politically not correct. We want to respect the you be you and I'll do me. And yet if we consider the truth of the gospel actually real, then we would invite them home. And we would not stop inviting them home. Because again, eternity is in the balance. And so Jesus says, go everywhere. Everywhere you can and announce it. The NIV says preach. I don't really like that because I don't know how many of you like wake up in the morning and go, I can't wait to go preach. I do, but you might not. <laughs> so I like the announce. Go announce this message. 
An announce can look different. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like the person sitting next to you, but announce it. There's hope. I was wandering around. I've been looking for different things for the stage, and I've been to Walmart way too long and Target way too long and Home Depot and Lowe's, and and I'm tired of shopping. Anyone else tired of shopping? But what I noticed yesterday when I was still wrapping things up, as I walked the aisles, I'm like, look at all of these people and how many aren't home in Christ. And I got to be honest, it literally hurt me. And I thought, well, what do I do? Do I just start walking the aisles and, and go to someone who's looking at spatulas and go, hey, Jesus loves you. And when you're done looking for a spatula, I'd love to share with you. I don't know always the answer. But I felt a conviction, a heaviness. We've got to do something. Because there's a world out there that isn't home. And God's love is like that. It doesn't just sit. God could have very easily said, I love you, and left it at that. That would have been enough. Why? Because he's God. But it even goes farther than that. He didn't wait. He then acted on that love. I could tell Sandy I love her every day, all day. But if I don't do anything... If there's no, like, interaction, then what is that love? I hear you saying that, but what is that love? And God didn't just sit on that. God's love loves us to a point where he didn't stop and he still doesn't stop. In fact, some of you need to hear this this morning. God still loves you, and he knows everything there is about you. Think about that. There's not one thing he doesn't know about you. Everything you've done in in private, everything you've done in secrecy, all the things that you pray to God no one finds out about, he does. And he doesn't stop loving. God pursues us. God's love chases us. God's love is after us. God's love overwhelms us, not with a, a, a short, kind of hallmark, piffy, uh, I love you, but an extravagance that is more than you can bear if you let him. That's what God does. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through five. But God is so rich in mercy. He is so rich that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, He gave us back our lives again. Who gave you life? Yeah, you didn't give yourself life. You're not gonna give yourself life tomorrow. You're not gonna give yourself life next week. In your spiritual deadness and being doomed, we don't use doomed a whole lot, but in our doomedness, God gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by this undeserved favor have we ever been saved. Man, that's humble pie right there. Because that means I did nothing. I contributed nothing. Not even like a drop. Not 1%. I did nothing in saving myself. 
It's not like God threw a life raft into the water and said, come on, I know you can do it. Swim to me, swim to me. No, because that would be me efforting with God. And the Bible says that only by this undeserved favor, what's the undeserved favor? That God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and I. And it is only because of that favor have we been saved. Our lives are to point to the greatness of that God. To the love of that God. To the mercy of that God. Because he's so cool. Because he's amazing. And because this, he's our only option. There aren't other options. There's not plan B or C or D. There's only plan A. And if we don't take hold of plan A, we're what? We're right back where we started. We're going to be spiritually dead and doomed. Jesus even told his followers in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, your light, in other words, your relationship with Jesus, how you have been transformed, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things that you do and give praise to your Father in heaven. In other words, let someone know that doesn't go to church that we packed 454 shoeboxes to go to Juarez to two orphanages, one in unreached people group, a church and a YWAM base. Why? So that we receive the praise and people think we're cool? No. So they ask, why? Why would you do that? How much stuff is that? It's a lot. It's going to be at least two pallets that we're going to ship this Wednesday and Thursday. Let people know. Why? Matthew tells us so that they will praise your Father in heaven. You say, well, my, you don't know the person I work with. They are never going to praise my Father in heaven. You don't know that. Don't sentence them to hell before they're done on this earth. Invite them home. Invite them into your home. Invite them into church. Invite them into your life group and invite them. Engage with them so that they can experience home. The Greek word where it says the good things that you do, the word good doesn't mean good as opposed to evil or bad things. That's what we think of. It's not an either or. It's not an opposite. But it means winsome or attractive. Something that's appealing to the eye and to the heart, which is Jesus. That's why we're at home when we're living out his life, his character. We feel at home because that's what we were made for. Jesus said to all of his followers, I want you to serve other people in very, very practical ways that will winsomely attract them to me. Now, Jesus could do it. He could show up to any individual in the form of an angel or something else. He could do that. And he does, but his predominant way is using you, is using me, is using us in our everyday life. You go, well, I I don't have time and there's COVID and everything else. I don't have time to go on a mission trip. Perfect. Neither do I. But tomorrow I'm going to live a whole day and I'm going to presume, Lord willing, so will you. You'll live an entire day. 
You'll go to school, you'll go to work, you'll wash dishes, you'll go to the grocery store, you'll Christmas shop. You will live your life and God only says, just let me be included in that. Be bold enough, be courageous enough, be willing enough to to let me be involved in your everyday life and I will blow your socks off. That's somewhere in like the Bible. (laughs) That's what he's saying. In other words, maybe another way to say it, Don't just show your faith, share it verbally. Be be bold enough to go, I want you to come to church with me. And I would even ask this, if you think of someone right now, if the Spirit of God is laying it on your heart, is pull out your phone, you can text the whole service if you want, and start texting family and friends and coworkers and going, hey, four o'clock, we have a Christmas Eve service, you wanna come with me? Do it right now, because you won't do it later. There's always something. There's a football game. There's laundry to fold. There's groceries to buy. There's things to do. So if you have your phone, full car blanche freedom. Start inviting people. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 tells us this. Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Be wise in all your contacts with them. Think about this. How many contacts have you have had with friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, strangers, that God possibly wanted to use you. But you weren't usable. That's convicting. And I don't say that to you, I say that to me. How many times have I just been on my agenda running with my hair if I had it on fire at Lowe's? And I'm just missing people left and right that God's like, "Ah, all right, maybe the next one. Ah, Missed that one too. All right, well, I'll find someone else. Make the most of your chances to tell others this is good news. Be wise. In other words, don't squander your interactions with people. Don't squander those. Those are incredible opportunities to be used by God. And here's the thing that we can all do this Christmas season. Every day, every single day from now until Christmas Eve, pray and ask God to open opportunities to make a difference for him. And then set about your day looking for ways that he is taking you up on that prayer. And I promise you, if your heart is right and you're in tune with the Spirit of God, he will rock your world this Christmas season. It won't just be another day. You won't get to like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning on Christmas day and all the wrappings are open and it's a holy mess and you're like, well, that was fun, it's over. And now you gotta deal with fighting and family tensions and everything else. It will change Christmas, not only for the individual, but for you. Three things that we can do this Christmas season. We can stop, we can look, and we can listen. Very different than stop, drop, and roll. Here's where we're going to go. Number one, we can stop long enough for people to come into focus. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think we can stop long enough for people, individuals, to come into focus. Think about it this way. If if you were to watch an NFL football game today, uh, at some point, the camera will span the crowd. It'll, It'll just pan the crowd back and forth, and you can't see anybody's face. And then there will be other times... Usually like at a Raiders game, they focus on like the psychotic people. 
And you can literally see like their eyes and the paint on them. And it be, sorry, bro, like down with the Raiders. All right, but you will literally be able to see like hairs and, and makeup and paint and what they're drinking. It will come into focus. That's way different from a pan shot where you just see 60,000 people. And for us as Christ followers, that's the call. Stop long enough for someone to come into focus. That means you have to slow down. The Christmas season is so fast-paced. It's such a hurried season that everything just seems to go by in a blur. Who would have thought? Last Christmas, we were still like truly in the heart of COVID. No one really had a life. They're, you know, they canceled Christmas parties and you know, we were told to wear like scuba suits to Christmas morning with our family and like we just didn't have it. Things just slowed down and we went, oh my gosh, like Christmas season is super long. And now we've kind of gotten back to normal for the most part and we're back in that fast paced again. We're hitting the gas pedal. You're probably, even some of you to be sure, for those of you who are with us online, and you're probably thinking, for some of you, I got to do this and this and this and this and this, and I hope he doesn't go long because that'll make the annual meeting go long. And then I got to do these. That, that's the world we live in. But we need to stop long enough to look in the eyes of people around us, most of who are not here, by the way. Look at those people long enough and realize this, we have never locked eyes with another human being that does not matter to God. Not once. Every single person you have ever seen matters to God. And his primary way of communicating that is often through you. You say, well, I don't really want that responsibility. <laughs> Neither do I. I mean, if God said, hey, uh, I'm gonna die on the cross for your sin and, and my plan for you is to watch football and eat hot wings and watch others go to the gym, like, <laughs> I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> but that just is not the case. We have never locked eyes with another individual that if they do not understand and come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ will spend eternity separated from him. This is the idea of, of Barbara uh, that we read at the very beginning, outside looking in and many not even knowing it. And so I wonder, will you stop long enough this season so that God might open your eyes to, to really see people in a very special way? A.W. Tozer said this, we must show a new generation of nervous, almost frantic people that speed and noise are evidence of weakness, not strength. Strength. 
when our Christmas is so consumed by shopping and parties and by working that everything goes by in a blur and we stop seeing people as individuals who matter to God, something's not right. And it's not just right for the individual, it's not right for you. You know exactly what I'm talking about because no one enjoys the franticness. No one enjoys just sun up to sundown running around with their head cut off. No one enjoys that. Nor does the person who is looking for home. Because the whole message of Christmas is Jesus left his divine home. Came into this world for individuals that one by one they might find their home with him. That's the Christmas message. So where is home? You're looking at it if you choose it. Every day, every minute, wherever you go, that's home. Number two, we can look for specific ways to point people towards God. In other words, do something about it. God prompts you and goes, hey, look at that person over there. Look at that cashier at Costco, frantic. Someone was just mean to her. She obviously looks like she's going through a hard time. I want you to go over there and give some encouragement. That could change a life. Just that simple, that simple word. Someone's broken down on the side of the road. How many people, thousands, just drive right by where you could pull over and go, hey, everything okay? Do I need to call someone for you? No, I'm good. All right. God bless you. I see a family member that maybe you've had uh, difficult relations with uh, fragment and maybe you haven't talked to them in years, to be able to extend a loving word or a loving hand to them, yeah, that could affect them. Guess who else it's going to affect? You. It will change you. Mark chapter 10, a rich uh, young man came to Jesus, verse 21. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and he loved him. Listen to that. Jesus looked him hard in the eye, and he loved him. Now, be careful with this. You could creep some people out. Choose who you look hard. I can do it with Randy. Randy's my brother. I can do that. The mailman, I may not stand at the mailbox and look him hard in the eye with a warm smile. That might be weird. So you do have to be careful. But in other words, the eye is the pathway to the soul. When I was a cop, I couldn't remember all names of individuals, but I always remembered eyes. I would sit in my patrol car and I would just memorize eyes because if I came across that someone and they looked me in the eye, I could see them. The eyes are the window to the soul. And Jesus looks right into the eye and down into the soul. You've been around someone like that who can just read you like a book? They say, hey, how's it going? You go, good. And they're like, how you really doing? You're like, gosh, shoot. And then you like do this and go, I'm great. (laughs) Because they can read through your eyes. Jesus identified this man's need in his life the thing that was a spiritual sticking point that was holding him up from truly embracing God, 
And by looking into his life, God was able to identify that thing and to say, if you really want to embrace God fully, here's what you need to do. And for some of you, for some of us, for some of you online, the message to those around us, we need to be able to say with boldness, friend, I've been watching you for years. You are looking for hope. You are looking for home. You are looking for community. You're looking for something that won't fade away. And I just have to share with you what that is. And guess what? Some might tell you to pound sand. They won't take you up on it. It's not always going to be the hallmark story ending where they go, oh, you know what? You're right. Pick me up. In fact, let's get to church an hour early and we'll just pray and, and I'll just join your church and it's just going to be hunky-dory. So they might say, no, are you okay with that? I hope so because there's a good chance of that. But God doesn't say you'll feel at home when you're serving and living like me and if everyone takes you up on your offer. Thankfully, he doesn't say that. But we live a life of following Jesus and there's where we find our home. Regardless of what the response was, and if you remember this particular passage in Mark 10, the man says, no, thank you. God looked deep into his life and identified his need, and the man said, no, thank you. That can happen. And we can do this this Christmas. Has nothing to do with Rock Creek Church. Has everything to do with you. In your world. In, in your circle of community. The people that we encounter, the people that we know, we can look into their lives and address a need. A gap, a hurt, a pain. We can stop long enough to look them in the eye, allow them to come into focus, which makes us slow down and ask ourselves, God, what is the need that they have that you can fill? And give me the courage to join you in that. I love hearing babies laugh. Is that yours, Darnell? Well done. Yeah, it's a little side note, this has nothing to do with the sermon. When babies are great, it's, it's the parents. When they're psychotic, it's just like, I, God gave me the kid. I, like, yeah, I'm just managing. Here's the last one. I don't know if that's true. I just feel that way. Here's the last one. So here's what we can do. We can stop long enough for people to come into focus. Number two, we can look for specific ways to point people to God. And here's the last one. We can listen. That means closing your mouth and just listen. Whether it's a stranger or whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, we can stop long enough and we can Listen, and we can listen to God's guidance on how to reach them. When was the last time you're having a conversation with someone? And a lot of you do this, so I'm not pretending like this is new to all of you, but for some of you, you need to hear this. When was the last time you're interacting with someone and you're talking and you're truly taking an interest, but at the same time, you're praying and asking God for wisdom on what to do in this conversation? 
If you've never experienced that, it is the most schizophrenic thing you can do. Truly, I'm interacting with Randy, and at the same time, I'm like, God, what does Randy need? What do I need to say to Randy? How do I encourage him? How do I help his need? How do I point him in the right direction? How do I set the right example? And I'm still engaging with Randy. We listen. We don't just listen to the individual. We listen to the power of the Holy Spirit, who so desperately wants to give you guidance. Here's a newsflash. God's not dumb. That could be a movie. Huh, Lori? God's not dead. God's not dumb. I don't know if that would pass the, like, Christian approval. But God's not dumb. He gave us the Holy Spirit because he knows we need guidance. He knows we don't have the right words. Your kid comes to you and and shares something outrageous, and you're like, "Mm, yeah, I got nothing. I have no idea. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a friend who shares something uh, catastrophic with you, and you're like, I have no idea what to do with this situation. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit so desperately wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit wants to give you guidance. The Holy Spirit wants to, to set you off in an adventure of walking with Jesus that you couldn't even dream of. And yet so often we go, I don't know what to say please stop sharing with me. All I asked was, how's your week? I don't need to know all of that. If you're a Christ follower, I'm talking like minute by minute, day by day Christ follower, then you need to be at the ready. Because if you say, hey, God, use me, open my eyes, let me be of use to you, stand by. Because he will do just that. God, what do I do here? What action do I take? What do I, how do I respond? How do I care for this person? How, how do I point this person home? John chapter 10, verse 27 says this. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Two great things here. God knows you. Like really knows you. More than you know you. And if you know him, you will know his voice. What do you do with that? Because we live in an age, especially during this season, but even outside of this season, January is gonna come, we're gonna flip the calendar, and guess what? It is gonna be just as busy, just as noisy, just as chaotic. It just is. Clutter. And yet there will be this still small voice of God guiding us that if we're not careful, it can be drowned out. And we go, man, I just, I can't remember the last time I heard from God. He's speaking. You just got to lean in. I, I can't even remember the last time God prompted me to do something and I felt that exhilaration. He's trying. You just got to cut out some clutter. He's trying. Lean in. Dutch Catholic priest and author, theologian, Henry Nouwen, who I had the privilege of of watching speak several times at Westmont College, he once said this, 
We are usually surrounded by such outer noise that it is hard to truly hear our God when he is speaking to us. We have often become deaf, unable to know when God calls us and unable to understand in which direction he calls us. And thus, our lives have become absurd. When, however, we learn to listen, our lives become obedient. If you haven't read any of Mr. Nowen's works, please do so. It'll change your life. And this, friends, when we do what Mr. Nowen is suggesting, this is when the adventure really begins. This is when life takes on meaning, when we look someone in the eye and we see that they have a need that only Jesus can fulfill and we pray, God, what should I do here? And then we do it. Not next week, not a month later, right then, right now. And we never know when it's going to happen. And if your life is anything like mine, it often is inconvenient. I often say, Alex can give a hearty amen to this, my day is never my own, whether with God or with kids. I might make an agenda, I might make a schedule, and no one cares. (laughs) I just get tossed by the waves, which is okay if God's blowing the water. Does that make sense? Because he truly knows. What I'm telling you is that you're going to see opportunities this Christmas season. And it will feel amazing to be used by God. To the loved one, to the stranger, you're going to invite Christmas Eve and they're going to say no, and that's okay. And you're going to think you failed, and I want you to know you didn't. You acted in obedience because God says, go and announce the good message to everyone and everywhere. You're going to announce it, and someone's going to go, no, thank you. You did not fail. You acted in obedience. You never fail when you do what Jesus asked you to do. We have to change our thinking in that. And as he leads you and guides you, that's where we find the adventure. That's where we find the thrill of hope. Because it's more than just my schedule. In fact, you might be sitting in a chair right now that someone is going to come Christmas Eve and they're going to find Jesus in the chair you're sitting at. How cool is that? They're going to find home. They're going to get a welcome. They're going to get a hug. They're going to be energized by Alex and the team and and the music and, and the friendliness. And they're going to go, my gosh, I've been looking for this. And they're going to find home and you're sitting in their chair. I don't say that for you to get up right now. I say that for you to understand how special that is. And we can look for opportunities to bring people. We can stop long enough for people's needs to come into focus and then ask God to direct us on how do we best do this. And that's where our home is. 
And as we channel Christ into our everyday life, as we do that, our home, in answering the question, well, where is home and what's so special about home? Home becomes wherever we are because the Holy Spirit dwells deep within and is active and is alive. And it feels so right because that's what we were created to do and to be. So will you join us this Christmas season as we extend a a wide invitation for people and far away to join us online or close to home that could actually come in person to find the hope and the home found in Jesus because it really is so good to be home. feels so good. And we want to change how many people are looking from the outside in. That's our hope. Let's pray together. It's always hard, Lord, sometimes when we we hear that it's not about us. It's not about our our decorations or uh, our plans or our dinner reservations or our clothes and how fun it's going to be and how special it's going to be. It's just, it's, it's not about us. It's probably why sometimes we feel empty at the end of the season because we spent so much time focusing on our circle uh, of environment. It's probably also why we have a Sunday from last Sunday where we packed 454 shoeboxes that are gonna go to boys and girls in Mexico that would otherwise not open a single gift and it feels so right. And so I wanna thank you for the gift of looking for others. The, the gift of thinking about others, the gift of focusing our attention. Where is home? Home is where we live out the person and the character of Jesus Christ. So please guide us in that. And we so desperately love you and are so grateful for your love. And we pray this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our eternal redeemer. Would you please stand and let's prepare our hearts to respond in worship.